Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I think that worked. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Cover One Roundup here live on the Cover One YouTube channel each and every Monday night um at uh, 7:30 p.m. on YouTube or subsequently wherever you listen to your podcasts. I forgot my intro, David. I told you. I told you a minute ago that I'm losing my mind because I couldn't figure out what was different with my setup. It ended up just being that I had the tab on the wrong monitor, but uh, look, you guys are in for a treat because I do not know what I'm doing, but I do know. Which which is totally different from other weeks that we right, do this. Abnormal. Right? Abnormal, abnormal behavior. Uh, but I do know that David and I this week are here to talk about the Buffalo Bills, like we do every week. But this week in particular, we are talking about their upcoming training camp. Training camp kicks off at Rochester St. John Fisher College in just a couple of weeks. And today, David and I are going to talk about the headline says six. It's at least six players. It's at least. We're, we're not really rule followers on this podcast, as as all of our wonderful loyal listeners are very well aware of. Right. You get a couple two for the price of ones along the way uh, in our kind of sh- respective spiels. We're, and then we're also- really giving you guys value here. Exactly. This is, this is the best value podcast. Great value podcast, right? It's like um, cover one Buffalo is like cheerios and we're like great value walmart cheerios but they're made in the same factory they're made in the same factory right this this brings up an excellent question first of all kyle are you a cereal eater i like cheerios (laughs) you do so like just regular cheerios uh honey nut got it got a honey nut okay I, I also enjoy honey nut cheerios Mm -hmm. are you a a i also like regular cheerios um are you a milk with cereal person, like like ninety nine percent of this country, like ninety nine percent of people that eat cereal. Well, David, I'm not a milk person. Oh, you're not a milk person. I do not consume milk. So when I do eat Cheerios, it's boneless. It's raw. You and me both. <laughs> hey, knuckles. this is a this knuckles. is a dry cereal podcast. Boneless cereal the- podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the cover one roundup slash boneless cereal podcast. I think we just explained a lot about our podcast <laughs> in that intro. <laughs> that is all you need to know. We're not even three minutes in and we get on a tangent about cereal and we both eat it without milk. Uh, that, that's um, all you need to know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Wonderful. God, this is great. I love I love doing this. This is awesome. <laughs> We're going to talk about uh, the Buffalo Bills training camp, uh, six players, and I'm sure we'll somehow get sidetracked and talk about Isaiah McKenzie at some point because that tends to be what we do on this podcast. We just can't get over the guy. We, we can't get him out of our minds. Uh, but before we do that, before we start the actual meat and potatoes of the podcast, 
there are a lot of things that I need to bring up, a lot of housekeeping to do this week. Um, so before we get started, Cover One and this podcast are brought to you by BetUS, who we will hear about from now via our friend, Greg. Hey guys, Cover One is excited to announce our new partnership with BetUS. BetUS has a live wager in on all major games, the best betting variety in the business, and an easy deposit and withdrawal process with the fastest payouts in the industry. Our loyal Cover One fans get a choice between two exclusive offers, either a 125% sign-up bonus on your first deposit up to $2,500, or a free $50 bet with no deposit required. Just use promo code COVER1 on the links provided in the show description below. BetUS, where the game begins. Thank you, Greg. And BetUS, uh, Jordan Foyer's driver here. From the top rope already with comment of the night. A callback, right? The best comedy is all callbacks. Call back to last week. This is like watching serial try. <laughs> I love it. Uh, we're we're on a roll. This show and cover <laughs> one in general are brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. David, can you tell us a little bit about Underdog? I would love to tell everyone about what should be everyone else's favorite fantasy football website, and that is Underdog Fantasy. Uh, if you have one home league, let me tell you something. That's not enough. You need more. You need more fantasy football. And what better place to go than underdog fantasy? All the fun of drafting your own players, but without the hassle of doing waivers or doing lineup decisions, best ball drafts allow you to have all the fun of drafting your team, all the chances to win big with none of the week-to-week hassle. Now, if you get into the regular season, you can use pick'em contests. You can win up money predicting if Josh Allen will go over his yard total, touchdowns, completions, and more. If you think Allen to Dick's going to blow up, maybe Allen to Kincaid. Who knows? You can put them both in your pick'em and predict up to five different over-unders correctly and win 20 times your original money. If you use the promo code COVER1, that's the number one when signing up to make your first deposit, Underdog will match that deposit up to $100. That is 100 free us dollars uh you know who knows what that is in like other currency that doesn't really matter um but if you Whoa. use the promo code cover one you get a hundred dollars of free play uh sign up today and start winning today thank you underdog even with that comment i don't think we are the most nationalistic bills podcast i feel like we get that's like probably get, sure right we'd be beaten out by there's got to be a fair number of more there's probably a decent amount of other bills podcasts that um would probably we're not gonna get into this never no, mind we're not we're, we're not, not crossing this bridge. <laughs> one last piece of uh housekeeping to do before uh we move on to the actual topic i know i i I love this podcast because we just go on and on about stuff and we get sidetracked about just stuff we need to get out of the way before we actually talk. And I'm just kind of prolonging the inevitable here. Uh, have you ever watched this podcast and been like, oh, the the, uh, the the dude on the left, I'd like to drink a beer with him. Well, now's your chance, maybe. The Cover <laughs> One Meetup, Friday, July 28th at 6 p.m. at Fally Allen here on the screen. If you want to know where Fally Allen is, it's on Allen Street. That might that might come as a shock, given the name Fally Allen. Craziness. That's my favorite thing about Allen Street. Uh, David, you're you're not from Buffalo, but um, so Allen is a unique, uh, unique area. Allentown, right? You you've heard of Allentown, I'm sure. Yes. Given Josh Allen, uh, but Allentown is a unique nighttime location here in Buffalo, New York. And my favorite part about it 
is that every place, I not every place, but like with little hyperbole, I would say 90% of the places have Allen in its name. Like there's Fally Allen, Allentown Pizza, uh, Allen Burger Venture. Just like there are numerous, just like they're so proud of being on Allen Street. And it's like, maybe we shouldn't be that proud of this particular <laughs> street. Like uh, I, I emphasis on maybe I will be there. I have still yet to decide if I am going to this because uh, while while Allen Street is certainly a vibe, I don't know if it's my vibe. Uh, especially on a uh, what? When was this? Friday, twenty eighth. <laughs> not sure. Well, we're doing it at six p.m. But um, not you can not, wear your you can wear your Steve Jobless look. That that'll hit well with that crowd. Oh yeah, no, definitely. That's definitely the the uh, the look there for uh, Allentown definitely. in particular. Um, yeah, it, it's I do believe Fally Allen is like right next to Jim Stakeout on Allen Street, which. Mm. Uh, shit goes down at the Allen Chimps. So uh, I am giving a ring endorsement for this meetup. Check out the meetup. Uh, your favorite cover one personalities will be there. And um, and maybe you. And maybe me. Well, I, I wouldn't be classified as a favorite cover one personality that, that, anyway. That, but that was the joke, but sure. Hey, hey, you know what? We'll get on the same tune, at, same page at one of these points, right? If we, if we do the podcast <laughs> a little bit longer, we'll, we'll figure it out. Okay. I think that's all good. I think we are ready to move on to the actual thing that was advertised here, and that is well, Buffalo. Well, hold on. Are we are we able to, or should we talk about the one bit of news that we that we could talk about? What's the news? The, the Kyle, come on. I mean, now I'm 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 kind of stalling so I can find the uh, the correct sound bit. <laughs> Oh, is it even watch? on here anymore? Yeah, uh, I got rid of the graphic. We should have the. Uh, is, this, is the? I don't care about the graphic. Is the? Is the? I, I'm nervous about what this audio file could be. Um, you know what? We're taking risks. Let's play it. Maybe it's Do the it. right one. Hopwatch. Uh, no. Hopwatch did conclude uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who was long rumored to be <laughs> like, I thought the Buffalo Bills had traded for him at about six points. Had six different <laughs> points in the last Never happened. Uh, he signs uh, with the wide receiver graveyard that is known That's as right. Tennessee Titans. Moving the needle, not an inch, uh, which is very interesting. I don't know about not an inch. I just, you know, I, I understand I made my own little snarky tweet about it that he had, he would have like a 250 yard season and like four touchdowns and like 10 catches or whatever. But like, you know, unlike the other wide receivers that have gone to Tennessee and kind of flamed out, like, I still believe that Hopkins has something in the tank. Like, Julio kind of didn't. That was obvious. Um, Andre Johnson. The, I don't know I what that even doing. happened to be honest. Right. Until yeah. I saw these and then and again. Randy Moss was on like his third team yeah. that year. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of just like, eh, yeah, I, I think Hopkins still has something. It's just obviously not like, you know, prime Hopkins as one would imagine when you're in your, like, what is this? The 10th, 11th season for him. Yeah. He, he certainly isn't what he was, but he's still a very, very yeah. good receiver. 
But like I, I say that he doesn't really move the needle for me because like okay, Tennessee, like look, I think they have a really good coaching staff. I think that they they're going to win games that they probably shouldn't win on paper because they have a very good coaching staff and like people yeah. can kind of will them to victory in certain times. But like mm-hmm. I'm not overly optimistic about Ryan Tannehill, especially at this point in his career and coming off the year that he just had. <laughs> Derrick Henry, I think he still does have stuff left in the tank, but again, uh, he dealt with injuries last year. I'm not really a who is there? Uh, Hassan Haskins is third string. Who who did they draft? Who's the running back that they drafted? Um, that's a great question. I will have my producer. Wasn't Mc, it wasn't McBride. No, it was Tajay Spears. Uh, not a big Spears. Oh, that's right. They did take Tajay Spears. Yeah. They're not, not a big Spears, Spears guys. He seems like exactly your type of player. Yeah. You know what? Just uh, Tennessee, I don't like the vibe. I, I, I've i never liked the Titans vibe, which is a shame because I mean, I, yeah, they suck. They're awful. Nashville's a great they city, suck. right? I'd love to go to Nashville and watch a game and hang out on Broadway and eat some hot I'm chicken not, and all that I'm stuff. not convinced Nashville is a top five Tennessee city. Tennessee, this is a different. This is for this is we're ending the podcast, I guess. If you have, <laughs> uh, you know, this, this many feelings or the, the strong of opinions about Tennessee cities, we'll rank them at the end. But, um, yeah, that's interesting. But like the point I was trying to make, like they had no receiving core, right? Like they were going into the season with Traylon Burks as their undisputed number one option. I really like Traylon Burks coming out of college, right? In last year's draft. I thought Traylon Burks Burks was always like a, you know, uh, year two, year three, this could be your guy. It was not like, hey, year one, you're the guy. Right. And and like he dealt with injuries in his rookie year as well. Mm -hmm. So like, we'll see. Like, obviously, yes, now they have, they go from having a very, very bad receiving core to having a average, an average receiving core. like An an acceptable receiving core. Right. It's like, look, Traylon Burks certainly should not have been, you should certainly not have gone into the season with uh, Traylon Burks as your number one receiving option. I'm not necessarily convinced that, you can be comfortable going into the season with Traylon Burks as your secondary receiving option. Like again, and this is someone who likes Traylon Burks. I think it's a, it's a risk that you can take, but like, I don't know. It's just, it's, they're in an odd situation. I also like chicken Conquo quite a bit. So like, they're going to be an interesting team. It's going to be interesting, but I've said about Tennessee at every turn for as long as this podcast has been on the air. It's like, (laughs) they don't, Look, they're going to win games. They're not going to be a bad team consistently. It's just nothing they do really excites me, and I'm not really scared of them. That's fair. Let's move on. Okay. Buffalo Bills training camp. Speaking of things that don't scare me, um, you know, maybe maybe it does scare me because uh, there's a couple of players who we're going to talk about today where it's just like, ooh, uh, I'm in, I'm intrigued to watch about training camp, which is the entire point of this exercise. David and I, like I said at, uh, at the top of the show, are going to go through six players at least, uh, maybe like eight, nine, ten by the time the episode's over. Who's uh, to say? Right, of players who uh, have you should watch at training camp who have kind of interesting storylines surrounding them, just interesting auras entering camp. That's what we should have done. We should have been like Tumblr girlies or like TikTok girlies and been like the six Buffalo Bills with the strangest auras entering training camp. Would that have gotten more clicks? No, no, it would not have. (laughs) 
Uh, the six stinkiest bills at a racetrack. <laughs> <laughs> I would have clicked on that one. I'm like, this dude put stinky in a headline. He, I am, I'm there. Uh, and then Eric would have fired us. Okay. Uh, David, we'll start with you. Who was your first player to watch at a uh, St. John Fisher College in a so, week or two? So the first player that came to mind um, after you took all three players that I was actually going to talk about when you first mentioned this. Um, <laughs> See, I tried to pick like niche players. I was like, I'm going to get my three player. selected. Right. You know what? We'll get to your You'll, you'll see my but players, everyone. The, <laughs> the first player I'm interested in is Kyir Elam. Um, obviously, last year, very up and down for him. Um, you know, he had some big moments, obviously, like the, the red zone interception of Mahomes in Kansas City. You have um, the playoff game where he played really well, especially like in in the fourth quarter where he made a couple of big plays. Really good progression there. But, you know, to start the season, he lost the job to a veteran that we kind of expected, but also to a six-round pick that was also a rookie. So you kind of just wondered, like, eh, what, where, where's this headed, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, it's, it's nice that the, the Bills felt like, you know, you know, the six round pick can play and we'll play him, you know, and, and that's fine. Um, and it's good to know that like they feel comfortable with that guy because it makes you feel like they have actual depth at that position, um, which is a nice thing to have because it's a position with a lot of volatility and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera and injuries. But, um, you know, you want your first round pick to be the guy that you want him to be, you know, and, and right. you know, we, we can, we can quibble about like, well, you know, a late first round pick might as well be a second round pick in either case. You spent a, a, a pretty valuable pick on a guy traded up for him too, that you traded up for because that as Brandon Bean is want to do. <laughs> um, and he should be your CB too, right? Like, you know, that, that, that's what you expect out of this guy. And I think that he has, the athletic ability to do so it seems like he has the like mental makeup to do so you know he seems like somebody who really like is open to criticism and coaching so i think that you know a sort of rough first year could be something that springboards him into a really good second year and i really really want him to be successful because i think that him and troy white being healthy again, right? And I think down the stretch, we kind of saw a bit of a return to form to what we saw from Trey White in the past. I think having them healthy will make me feel a whole lot better about Von Miller not being available mm-hmm. to start the season. And, you know, Von Miller can do his whole, you know, Tumblr, since we were talking about Tumblr, Tumblr arena, like, you know, manifest your destiny, that sort of shtick. Von Miller is such a Tumblr girly. Oh, you are so <laughs> right. He really is. He just, he, it's all the exact same, like, terminology and energy. It's just, you know, a like six foot three Hall of Fame right, yeah. uh, football player and nuts. A funny with their laptop in like freshman, uh, you know, fine arts class or whatever. Um, with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick, so I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, it's... it's, it's he, he could say that he wants to be ready week one all he wants. And he probably... Any, any, I would want to be ready week one but i also know that's not possible or realistic it's just not how that happens um you know it, it, it's he'll be ready when he's ready and when the coach more, probably more realistically when the coaching staff thinks he's ready mm-hmm. right because like i would so much rather try and like trudge my way through a regular season without von miller and have him healthy and 100 percent ready to go in the playoffs then to like bring him back early and you know then he has to like be on the sideline every week to do this and you know maybe he's on the you know questionable list every week and it's just like don't don't force anything that you don't need to force you know the playoffs are what matter and the play really like that's why he's here and like you we all saw it last year the difference that he made um you know it, it it was it was just it was it was so obvious, especially in that Kansas City game. Like, they don't win that game without Von Miller. Like, there were just plays where it's just like, those other teams the Bills had in the past, which were good, multiple, like, 10, 13 win seasons, they don't win this game unless Von Miller makes those three or four or five plays that he made. Um, Because that's the difference that a player like him makes. Mm-hmm. But now you don't have him to start the season. You probably won't have him for the majority of the season which is fine because this is a good team with a lot of good, talented players, but it's going to be much easier to deal with. If you have two legitimately good corners to go with your nickel corner, who is fantastic mm-hmm. and two safeties who have been on this team for seven years now. Yeah. And now they're both healthy mm-hmm. you know, because uh, Mike got injured early and Jordan Boyer was, you know, basically right in and out yeah by the end of the season so yeah I, I i like having a strong secondary across the board will make me feel so much better about not having von miller in that starting lineup to begin the season so this is a question uh, that's higher elam but like it kind of does right no it, yeah no i i get you but like Okay, so this is kind of inspired by recent Twitter discourse, if you will, and like, okay. uh, and our uh, cover one <laughs> group chat on Twitter. Where are you on Kyer Elam? What is your opinion on Kyer Elam if he does not win this cornerback two competition this uh, or this training camp slash preseason? Oh, that was a question for me. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have and to chat. repeat the question. Wonderful. Okay. <laughs> Repeat the question. Okay. Fair. Fair. You played the fifth. Where are you on Kyer Elam as a player? Oh. What's your opinion on him if he does not win the cornerback two competition? If he doesn't win the cornerback two competition, I will be um, 
extraordinarily disappointed and wondering what the trade value is for Kyrie. <laughs> um, which, you know, maybe that's an overreaction. But if you're getting beat out by a veteran who was a seventh round pick and another guy who was in your draft class and was a sixth round pick, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of says it all, doesn't it? <laughs> like, Well, yes and no, because like, okay, here's kind of my answer to that. It is one, I fully expect that Kyrie Elam will win the cornerback two competition just because yeah. the things you laid out, he's the most talented, was a first round pick, wasn't necessarily bad last year came up with right. big plays at big moments which all that well and good i think he'll win the competition if he doesn't i am fine with it to an extent and i'm not going to write him off depending on the context in which he loses the competition mm-hmm. like if he isn't bad like if he is glaringly not good which i don't think is going to be an issue but like if right. he just like Re- regresses and it's just like oh boy like that's an issue but like if he shows promise and plays well enough but it's just Dane Jackson or Christian Benford won the job I can't be upset at that I can't be upset if another dude just came in and outperformed Kyrie Elam despite the fact that he wasn't bad I, that's fair I, I think that's fine but like you know I just want you, the high value pick to perform that's all, you know, I just, I, you put a lot into this guy, you know, it's a position that they kind of deliberately did not address for a long time because, mm-hmm. you know, this is just sort of how the, the, the fence is designed and built to kind of funnel things in a particular direction to make things a little more pre- predictable. But, um, you know, clearly they felt like, all right, you know, we're, we're a good enough team where it's like, yeah, we can, we can replace this now with a higher caliber player. Um, so I think that it's just, it's, it's important. I think for this regime that, you know, hasn't been stellar in a couple of drafts, um, oh. you know, to kind of hit a, a, a big one on Kyrie Elam. I agree. We're going to be let's let's continue this draft conversation, this draft discourse, because we've got uh, this two of my guys kind of lead to a bigger point about high value draft positions being weirdly utilized or not necessarily weirdly in the case of one of them weirdly utilized. But let's get into this guy first. Uh, He's the thumbnail. Spencer Brown is my first player to watch at training camp. I said I picked niche players. I picked maybe the most glaring, <laughs> glaringly obvious uh, pick here of a player to watch at training camp just because he has – he's a very interesting, I guess, kind of situation. Uh, the, the situation surrounding him entering camp is interesting because last season he was not good. Uh, I th- I think he might be the first to tell you that he was not great, right? Like, just yeah. watch the film, look at the stats – Whatever, everything kind of points to Spencer Brown struggled in his second year. He allowed four sacks, nine hits, 29 hurries, 42 total quarterback pressures, according to PFF. And that was eighth most amongst qualified offensive tackles last year. Not good. Uh, Certainly not favorable. But again, 
uh, I kind of brought up context in regards to Kyer Elam losing this hypothetical cornerback two battle. You have to kind of be fair and look at the context in regards to Spencer Brown's performance last year. Uh, one, coming out of UNI, he was looked at as a raw prospect, right? As yes. a prospect that the Bills had to bury very much. He was a piece of clay that the Bills had to mold into a serviceable, functional offensive tackle in the NFL. And then... Uh, on top of that, it was his first season under a new offensive line coach, Aaron Cromer. On top of that, he didn't even have really an offseason to adjust right. to Aaron Cromer because he was dealing with a back injury. He didn't know, the Bills didn't know if he was going to be available until like very shortly before week one. And then they throw yeah. him in there. Um, and so it's just like there was context behind why Spencer Brown struggled last year. And the Bills very obviously do think that they can get more out of Spencer Brown just given their movements or lack thereof at right tackle this offseason. Did not really invest that heavily into right tackle whatsoever. They signed yeah. David Questenberry again. Uh, they re-signed David Questenberry, who I guess is is break glass in case of emergency right tackle. Also signed Brandon Shell, who, like, again, is he real? I guess he could push Spencer Brown, but, like, uh, and they don't draft anyone to compete with Spencer Brown. So it's very clear that they are expecting Spencer Brown to take a step and kind of become a serviceable, playable right tackle. Right. But entering camp, looking at the situation right now, objectively, he is the weak link on a on an offensive line that does have a lot of question marks, right? right? Like, we do not know yeah. the ceiling of this offensive line because we like Mitch Morris. <laughs> we like Deion Dawkins fine, but, like, Connor McGovern. Advanced analytics are fine. Like, how is he going to kind of mm -hmm. gel with this line? Osiris Torrance, how is he going to gel with this line? Does David Edwards play, right? Like, Ryan Bates, where is he factoring into this? And then it's just Spencer Brown is declaring just, like, Oh boy, what are they going to do at right tackle? Yeah. So this is the, uh, that's why he is such an interesting player to watch entering camp because this is kind of a make or break camp for him at this point. Uh, it, it's like, does he show improvement? Does he show like that he's healthy, that the back is fully recovered and that he's kind of taken to not only a full year under Cromer at this point, but now finally having a full healthy off season to adjust and kind of like, uh, his first full functional offseason under Aaron Cromer. How is that going to kind of show? How will the early benefits of that show and uh, at camp? Or, like, is he taking the reins and running with it? Or is he kind of still struggling? Is he getting pushed by David Questenberry, Brandon Shell? It's it, That's why he is such an interesting player to watch here. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a critical piece because – you really need to have this guy be something, right? Because they're, they're putting a lot of eggs in his basket. Right. I mean, like, like you said, they just, they, they basically told everyone based on what they didn't do in the off season, like, Hey, we believe in this guy and he's going to be our guy. And it's, it's, it's sink or swing fat sink or swim time for him. I definitely haven't had more than just, one glass of wine tonight. Um, <laughs> Wonderful. Is that a yeah. Richard's Irish Rose or whatever it was? Oh, absolutely. That dude's no. not here this week. No, we don't have to no, plug his wine. Even, yeah. That was Richard. It, it, Richard was in here plugging his wine. 
Um, yeah, I just, you know, with, with, with Spencer Brown, I mean, my main concern is like, so we, you, you talk about like the, the, the back injury and not having an off season, all these different things with Spencer Brown. I think all that's fair. And I think all that's valid, but those are sort of the types of excuses that you make for a player who was like, you know, good as a good, Yeah. Or good in college, right? Or just like, yeah, like, oh, we saw what he did at, you know, at Florida against SEC competition. It's like, this dude was at UNI. Like, what? Right. He had a good brass. Why are we, you know, uh, it's, it's he's, he's athletically gifted, but it's not like he's thick either, right? Like, he's not a, he's a tall guy. He's mm-hmm. very tall, but he's not like super well built either. He doesn't have a whole lot of like mass behind him. So it's just, it's, it's tricky, you know, and, and it's, it's a little surprising that this, this team basically said, yeah, this, this is it. This is going to be our guy. Basically. Um, it's like, it's either that or Brandon shell. And it's like, all right, sure. Why not? Um, you know, and, and, you know, for the rest of this offensive line, I mean, like you said, Deion Dawkins is fine. Um, you know, Connor McGovern, probably is not going to be worse than Roger Saffold because it okay, how is that, how would that even be possible? <laughs> um Mitch Morse, Mitch Morse, we love Mitch Morse, you know. Um he's not like, you know, some big hulking power center like a Creed Humphrey or a Ryan Jensen, but he's super smart. He's able to do a lot of things to help the offensive line. Um Ryan Bates, you know, at guard is versatile and fine like he has his role i think he's i think i think if ryan bates is the worst offensive lineman on your offensive line you're doing pretty well mm-hmm. the problem is i don't think he is no because the guy next to him probably is and uh, it's just i don't know it's it's a lot of faith for very little like reason behind it there's not a lot of substance behind this faith it's very odd i don't i don't really love it now there is a possibility where he turns out to be fine and again fine would be nice Mm -hmm. fine would be way better and like eric has been uh posting some clips of spencer brown as a run blocker especially in like pin pull situations where he's moving across the line um you know getting out in space and making plays even as a rookie, you saw that potential, and you saw right. that like that's where that athleticism. He showed a came. lot of flashes as a rookie, just in general, right? Um, but it was as a pass protector, as a rookie, and as in his second year, where he really, really struggled. And for a team that passes the ball as much as the Bills do, and has a quarterback that takes as many hits as Josh Allen does, you gotta have someone who can minimize. The hits. You have to have somebody who can set a decent pocket, create good space on the edge, and not be a liability. And I don't necessarily feel that way about Spencer Brown at this moment. Yeah, RJ writes here, it's just so odd. Spencer Brown has shown little promise, but they are completely backing him. Meanwhile, Elam has shown promise, and they are trying to Levi Wallace him. Well, that's the thing. This regime loves their athletes they love their athletes they love taking their swings on athletes they also love their underdog stories right they they love their small school standouts that they turned into dudes right like they love their taron johnsons so 
like I think that's part of the reason why they kind of still are sticking with Spencer Brown. And I said this in the cover one chat earlier, just like there certainly are reasons for optimism with Spencer Brown. If you look for them, right? Like if you want to be convinced that there is still hope left with Spencer Brown, yeah, you can convince yourself that he could take a leap forward this year. And just like, again, the context that I laid out earlier with, um, you know, like was injured last year, didn't have a full offseason under Chrome or was a project coming out, right? Like there are certainly things that you could look at and be like, okay, yes, year three is when he puts it all together. But just largely based off what we have seen on the field, it's just not all that reassuring. And I do wish that they had, that they did bring in a better insurance policy in the offseason other than just Questenberry and Brandon Shell again. But See, but like, that's why this is such a big training camp here for Spencer Brown. Like, is he able to show like, yes, I am not going to be a liability. That's all the bills need him to be is not a liability. Improve as a pass protector, become a, an average pass protector so that Josh Allen is not dying nearly every snap he takes, uh, or, you know, he's not having to roll out 90% of the time. Like, I feel like that is something that the bills do need from him. And I just, it's going to be interesting to see if they are able to get that at least glimpses of that in camp. David, your second player to watch. Who is it? So my second player is technically two players. I mean, it, it, I say two for one it special. Is two. It's, it's a two for one special. That was my senior um, quote. Are you a riffraff fan? Jody high roller? No, you don't know who riffraff is. no, what? Oh boy, Riff Raff is a—he's uh, an interesting musical artist. Interesting dude. Showed up to the VMAs with Katy Perry one time, rocking cornrows, and they were—they were just had a bunch of denim on. Anyway, um, on his album Neon Icon, he had a, a spoken word segment where he spoke in a British accent, and just the yeah, and uh, it's about the Bloomingdales. And he's just like, uh, at the end, just like, it's just a big two-for-one special. It's just a big two-for-one. And that was my senior quote in high school. Continue. Wow. Um, <laughs> so my, my, my two-for-one special is Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox. Um, you know, when you drafted Dalton Kincaid, it meant that you were going to start using 12 personnel. How you use 12 personnel in this offense is a very good question. And one that was answered on a previous podcast with special guest, Max Toscano. You can look back in the uh, previous episodes to find that it's a great discussion Um, with somebody who's a lot smarter about football than I am. Uh, (laughs) So when you look at that, it means that you have to use both. And it means you probably have to use a third at times as well. So, Dawson Knox is somebody who came into the league super raw, right? Like we actually had this discussion in the, uh, uh, the cover one chat earlier, uh, Aaron Quinn of the uh, cover one flagship show uh, basically said, uh, yeah, listen, Dawson Knox at Ole Miss. Uh, that didn't count. That doesn't count as years playing as, as tight end. And honestly, he's right. Fair, if you go fair, back yeah. to that offense, like that offense had DK Metcalf, it had AJ Brown. Mm-hmm. It had um oh who was that other guy? It was a Diada Bajeo. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It was someone else. I can't remember. But was it was some Elijah other guy Moore who was like, no, nah, uh, he may have been, but I don't think he was playing. at that. Okay. Um, because, yeah, you have DK Metcalf and A.J. Brown ahead there. of you. Um, and some other guy that I can't remember. And you have Dawson Knox. I, I, I think that team won like four games, maybe five Wonderful. Games. Wonderful. I mean, it, was, it was just hilariously, it was just a dumb, stupid offense for that group of players. And they didn't teach Dawson Knox how to play tight end. He just like sort of bulked up his way to become a tight end. Mm-hmm. And they just sort of like, oh, sure, why not? Um, and like when he got the ball, he made plays. Like, and he knew how to, he had an idea of how to block its space because that's what they wanted him to do on all these like short passes and bubble screens and whatnot. But the reality was like, he was not, he did not come into the NFL ready to play like a regular tight end position. He was taught that and eventually has become a, a pretty solid tight end all around. He's somebody that can, is athletic enough to be in the slot, who can be split out wide, who can play on the line and, and help the offensive line. Like this is somebody that's really become a legitimately like well-rounded tight end. So then you bring in Dalton Kincaid to this equation who is similar in that, like he's not a a really well-rounded tight end coming out of Utah because he became a tight end when he was at Utah. Again, as somebody who did not like was not training to become a tight end when he was in high school or whatever. This is not a Brock Bowers type. Um, but what he can do is really special and valuable because it's what the bills have wanted from the slot position all last year. It's what they were trying to get all last year from Isaiah McKenzie, from a retired Cole Beasley, from Khalil Shakir. They just never from Jamison Crowder, right? Like they, they spent all this time trying to get somebody that could produce something out of the slot position and never got it. Now you have somebody that I feel like at his his floor, at his bare minimum, is going to give you good slot wide receiver reps. What happens after that? That's another thing to to think about. Because if he goes the way of a Dawson Knox, let's say, and he takes to um, Rob Boris, who, you know, we've talked about far more. I believe that we have talked about Rob Boris more than any other Bills podcast. I firmly and entirely believe that. And frankly, if Rob Boris is listening, Rob, I know you're a friend of the show. I know you're a fan of the pod. Um, If you ever want to hop on, share your wisdom about tight ends. 
with the the lovely Cover One Roundup podcast audience. We'll make it happen. Hit us up. You know, we'll make we'll make it happen. If um, my email wasn't blocked by Bill's PR, oh, I'd make it happen. <laughs> We'd make it happen, but is is that standard procedure, or did something happen? Are you are you allowed to talk about that? No, I signed an NDA. I got you. I got you. Um, so <laughs> with Dalton Kincaid, if he sort of takes on um the same sort of like progress that Dawson Knox made when he was a tight end, um, when he came to Buffalo, I think that you could have like a legitimately great tight end room. And even if he isn't like some amazing, you know, blocker or whatever, if he's good enough, then you have something that can really toy with defenses. And, you know, I, I get that everyone's a little skeptical because, oh, Ken Dorsey can't do this. Ken Dorsey can't do that. Blah, 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 blah. I have no idea what Ken Dorsey can and can't do. Like, I know he's a spread guy. I know that he, that's where he's come from. I understand that he utilized that as effectively as he could, more or less, last year. Um, yeah, there are problems that you would expect out of a first-year coordinator. Um, but I think that, like, there's a sort of bare minimum that you can get out of Kincaid in year one. And actually, it's a very well-timed comment from Spin. Um, we just need Kincaid to be the red zone threat and safety blanket option for Allen. Kind of, yeah. I, I think there's more to it than just that. But I think that having somebody that Allen can reasonably rely on in the slot is something that's been important in his career. Otherwise, they wouldn't have gotten Cole Beasley. Mm. Um, and I think that if he develops that trust, I think that you could see that sort of relationship begin to build, which is what makes this, makes him in particular, Kincaid, of these two, the more interesting person to watch in training camp because if that chemistry, if that development isn't there between the two, then it's going to end up being more forced and you don't really want that in an offense um, because that's kind of how it felt last year, right? Where it was just like, uh, something's not working, we need to force it to digs or something's not working, we need to do this and that. And it's just like, that's uh, not really how this is going to work. <laughs> um and I think if you have Kincaid, I think your offense stays on schedule more often. I think you're less reliant on, you know, big plays to digs and or, you know, the Josh Allen runs, which, again, is sort of a, a funny thing that I saw, like, for people that were defending Ken Dorsey in the middle of the season, like, oh, well, Dayball's only, like, creativity seemed to be that he would uh, get Josh Allen to run. And then as soon as the Bills offense would stall out in 2022, that's all Ken Dorsey would do is just have Josh Allen run. And it's like, hey, uh, you know, two peas in a pod, right? <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, this is going to be fun. The, the, the whole... I already know how this Dalton Kincaid discourse is going to go this summer because, uh, look, I just kind of talk shit about Bill's PR, so continue, right? <laughs> if I burn the bridge, might as well, you know, burn it to the water, I guess. Uh, that's what bridges go over, typically. Um, no, well, this isn't bridge roundup, but continue. <laughs> um, like, look, they are going to be very secretive 
as to what gets out, right? Like credentialed yeah. media, they kind of tie, uh, you know, put a rope around their hands or whatever. And they're like, don't really tweet all that much, right? Like cover one will be there. Cover one will be tweeting out what they see from the training camp sessions, but largely, mm-hmm. right? Like they are going to be limiting what can get out about the bills schematically and, you know, how they utilize Dalton Kincaid, where they're lining him up, things like that. That's going to be definitely something that, factors into that or falls into that category and then when the preseason ultimately comes uh you're not going to i don't think they're going to really show their hand much with dalton kincaid right like i think you'll get the occasional dalton kincaid rapper like the occasional dalton kincaid in the slot fun you know hijinks if you will but like largely i think as every team is in the preseason they're going to be vanilla so yeah it's going to be very fun looking at all the the bills doomers on Twitter, who are like, oh, I'm really glad they drafted this tight end slash slot receiver in the first <laughs> round, and they're not using him at all. And then by the time <clears throat> regular season comes, yeah, it's everything that you're talking about with like actual right. personnel and stuff that's creative and stuff. And yeah, as Spin wrote about um, Kincaid being a safety blanket, right? Like that's all I want Kincaid to be as well is just an easy button, right? Something that yeah. he lacked last year um, because look, when Cold. They he, there was a Cole Beasley sized hole in this offense, so roughly yes. five foot eight and 180 pounds. Um, just like they really missed Cole Beasley to the point where they brought him back, right? Like, despite their own wants, they brought him back so they could try to get that production. And then when Cole Beasley got here, obviously he was not the Cole Beasley of old, so like, yeah, they did get Swole Beasley, right? Like, that's legitimately what they think that they got in Dalton Kincaid. And like you talked about, David, just like, yeah, that ability to, you know, find the soft spot in the zone and make himself available and just be that safety blanket, be that easy button. That's what I want from Dalton Kincaid. And I don't think we're going to see early glimpses of that in training camp, but like, I just want kind of tidbits here and there. And then by the time the regular season actually comes here, we will see it. Okay. We're going to stick with rookies here. Uh, speaking of rookies that, like, could, like, with Dalton Kincaid, it's like his role is obvious what it's going to be. It's just going to be, like, the question is how much do we see it in camp and preseason? With this player that I'm about to bring up here, we don't know what his role is going to be. It could be one of several things, and that's Dorian Williams, who I'm talking about, the third-round pick, the second consecutive third-round linebacker that Brandon Bean took, uh, the second consecutive weird, questionable third-round linebacker that Brandon Bean has taken in the draft. Uh, Of course, out of Tulane, uh, looking at his stats from last year from PFF, was very good, was the number 16 linebacker in the nation, uh, also was the number eight player in coverage per PFF last season. So obviously he's a good coverage player, right? Has a long, a long arms, big wingspan, good athlete, also a willing participant against the run. And he's effective when used as a pass rusher. So really like they can do, they can get creative with Dorian Williams, but it's just what I'm kind of interested in, in camp here is, is he in the middle linebacker competition? Early indications are he's not really part of it, right? Like Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have been back and forth on whether or not he can play in the middle. Uh, Like early, it was like, no, he's probably an outside backer. Then it was like, okay, maybe he could play in the middle, but we don't know if we're going to play them there. So I'm sure they have a plan. They're just not really disclosing it to the public. 
But just like how it looks right now, it very much looks like the dudes vying to replace Tremaine Edmonds in the middle are mm-hmm. Tyrell Dodson, Terrell Bernard, uh, Tyler Madikavich <laughs> doesn't really factor into the competition. I guess AJ Klein does, Balen Specter. Like, am I missing anyone in that potential competition there in the middle of the defense? Uh, you mentioned T Dot. Of course. How could I forget? <laughs> He's gonna T Dot's gonna not gonna make you forget T Dot. T Dot wouldn't let you forget, right? Like, oh boy. Uh interesting, interesting, dude. Um, but like, uh, I'm just intrigued to see where Dorian Williams does he work his way into that conversation, into that competition. Because, like, look, I think Dorian, like Terrell Bernard's not a bad linebacker, right? He's not a bad right. athlete, I should say. Uh, he's certainly athletic enough right like kind of some matt milano comparisons to his game right or at least to his Mm -hmm. baylor film uh and like when he did play last year he didn't look out of place in the defense right when he had to spell milano uh, i think he had to spell milano at some point i forget who he actually it might have been the i think it was the jets game right i think so or was it the steelers i don't remember all i I remember is that when he played, he wasn't awful. So, like, if right. it is Terrell Bernard <laughs> that they go with, I do think that, you know, that, that'll be fine. I'd rather they go with Terrell Bernard than that uh, Tyrell Dodson. Or, uh, you know, if Balen Spector comes in and wins the job, cool. But just, like, looking at college stats, college tape, all that good stuff, I think Dorian mm-hmm. Williams has the highest ceiling out of all of the players who could potentially start at middle linebacker. It's just the question of... Are they comfortable enough putting this on his plate this early? And like they were obviously comfortable enough to put it on 19 or 20-year-old Tremaine Edmonds plate back in the right. day. And it like it's not like Tremaine Edmonds played middle linebacker at Virginia Tech either. So like they just kind of gave him the a kid the keys and you know said, run with it, run the defense. Uh, but like it's very different because one, Tremaine Edmonds was six foot five, 250 pounds athletic freak dorian williams a good athlete but he's you know doesn't have that athletic profile so it's just i i hope that dorian williams does factor in to this middle linebacker competition and i hope that we do see early indication of that at training camp unfortunately i think more likely uh he's just going to kind of have that terrell bernard role this year where he's just kind of the teamer uh he's just used on teams maybe he gets you know some spot snaps here or there uh, but I, uh, we're going to find out here at camp. So what are your thoughts on Dorian Williams? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting that the, just the names, the number of names that are in this position to potentially win this spot because they're all vying for one spot, right? Like we're not talking about like both spots being up for grabs because Matt Milano is an all pro and deservedly so. And, you know, there's there's no re- there nobody's competing with Matt Milano. This is all competition for the Mike linebacker spot. And the other factor involved in this, of course, is the uh, change from Frazier to McDermott as the defensive coordinator, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, obviously they come from the same tree. They come from the same line. This has been Frazier's defense. McDermott brought Frazier in for a reason. But McDermott runs things his way, right? Like, And, and Ron Rivera said this, I think, I want to say – at the owners' meetings, um, or something, one of these, you know, off-season events when right, yeah, one of he was asked he, when he was asked about McDermott, he said McDermott's a pretty aggressive play caller on defense. I had to like rein him back a couple times when he was in Carolina, which 
completely flies in the face of people's like perception of McDermott. Um, because, you know, I think people just sort of assume that like, because he was okay with Frazier and his defense that he was just like, that was like, Oh yeah, that's just McDermott's defense. And it's like, that's eh, not like entirely the case. Um, but regardless of that, like, like the, the linebacker position is, um, completely up for grabs. And, and, you know, we can sit here and say, well, you know, maybe they'll just go with T dot because he's somebody that they're familiar with. He's worn the green dot, right? All that. And he's worn, he has worn the green dot. And I think that's the biggest, like, at least from an outsider's perspective, the biggest thing that's like, that kind of makes me lean that way. But like, are you really coming into the season with that guy as your Mike linebacker? Really? I just, I don't, I don't know if I see that happening. Like I could see it happening. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm not saying it won't happen. I just, it's a little odd. It would be very odd if that were the actual case. What I do think is that um, I have no idea who would be, in that spot if it is a T dot though, which is what makes this all the more confusing. It's like, I don't, I don't want to think that they would just put him out there as like their main answer for this, this question. But if he's not, then really who is, I mean, like, do you feel comfortable with Dorian Williams as a rookie from Tulane running this defense? Probably not. Is Baker that guy? Probably not. Is Terrell Bernard that guy? He's not really built for that position. So it's kind of just like, maybe this is just what you have to deal with. I don't know. I don't think you, it's unnecessary growing pains is what it is. Like I, look, I don't think that they needed, like Tremaine Edmonds got a bag, right? Like I'm not saying they should have yeah. re-signed Tremaine Edmonds. I would have been fine with it, but like the money that he got, I don't really know how he would have. There, there was no way that the Bills were paying anything close to what Tremaine Edmonds ended up getting from Chicago. Right. He, he, I don't know how he would have factored into the long-term cap, especially given how they've re-signed at Oliver. Like, right? Like it would have right. been interesting. Yeah. But like I – I don't like that they didn't really bring in any outside competition other than Dorian Williams, right? It's just like we got these guys on the roster. They've they're familiar with the defense in varying capacities. One of them will be fine. And like as Steve Noble writes here, Bobby Babich is a hell of a coach, and I'm sure we will be fine. Yeah, like people forget last year was Bobby Babich's first year in charge of the linebackers, and we got all pro Matt Milano, right? Like yeah. Matt Milano continued his all pro form, finally got recognized for it. And then Tremaine Edmonds had probably his career year earning, yeah. you know, him getting that actual extension uh, or getting that contract in Chicago. Spin rights, Tavon Howard. Oh, what's his name? Traven Howard from LA. Something yeah. like that, yeah. I don't. Mm maybe i yes you're right they did bring in kind of outside competition in the he, form of he Trayvon is Howard, there but he, he is but he was there. like an off-season tryout right like he was at a mini camp right. tryout or whatever yeah. pre-mini camp tryout who they signed right like i don't think they're expecting him to come in and win the job maybe he does but i don't necessarily think he does but just like i i guess if you ask me right now who it's going to be i hope 
that it's not T dot. I, I really hope that it's not T dot because fair. that's Roy Collins right here. Right here, T dot is terrible in pass coverage. Um, like yeah. I, I'm just, I'm not crazy, right? Like I think your defense, right? Like the T dot's probably the safest option, and like just in terms of floor de- uh, defensive play. And just like if you had to place a bet who you think it's going to be, T-Dot is probably the safest bet just because he's been the backup middle linebacker. He has been who they have gone to in the past when they needed to replace Tremaine Edmonds in a pinch. And given that they didn't make more of a concerted effort to replace Tremaine Edmonds permanently and Tyrell Dodson still here, you can kind of, you know, put two and two together and be like, I guess T-Dot does make a semblance of sense. But just like I think... your defensive ceiling is much higher if you go with even a Terrell Bernard, especially a Dorian Williams. But again, it's just kind of very different defenses that they ran, uh, obviously in college versus the pros, especially Tulane versus Buffalo, right? Like, I don't know if they're comfortable putting that much on Dorian Williams' plate, as you said, David, this early in his career. But I think long-term, Dorian Williams could be the middle linebacker. I'm just intrigued to see, does he get into the competition in camp, right? Like, do they even give him the looks or is it, yeah, no, he's just Matt Milano's backup. He's an insurance policy and a teamer. Uh, So that's, that's really all I have to say about Dorian Williams. So David, your third player to watch. So the third player that I had to, uh, you know, dig around to figure out who I was going to talk to when you took all of my players. Uh, <laughs> it happens. It does happen. Um, it's the nature. It's it's the biz. You know, it's the nature of the biz. Um, I'm still kind of deciding right now as I'm talking who I actually want to talk about because we talk about the O line. Go with the safety. That's fair. All right, so we'll talk about Taylor Rapp um, because. We talked about the secondary a little bit already with Kyrie Elam. Um, and you have Jordan Poyer coming back. You have Micah Hyde coming back. I don't think anybody really fully expected both of them to be back. Um, and it's nice that they are. But clearly this team is looking for the, to the future. Otherwise, they wouldn't have signed Taylor Rapp. Um, I think it's also telling that Taylor Rapp in his introductory press conference said, like, you know, um, kind of alluded to like his future career with the Bills, even though he signed a one-year contract, mm-hmm. right? Like this is this is somebody who they're like, hey, um, you know, when these guys leave or when one of them leaves, uh, you're up. Uh, and I think it's interesting because um, coming into free agency, uh, Eric kind of targeted Taylor Rapp as like, hey, this is somebody that like, you know, coming out of the draft, we thought could be a fit in this defense. Um, you know, if they sign him as a free agent, I think he, yeah, these are the sort of things that it's like, I think he kind of compared him to Poyer in terms of like where Poyer was when he came from Cleveland as a free agent. I sort of just like, yeah, this, this is like a really good fit for what this McDermott style of defense wants out of their safeties. Um, this is of course, not to say that Taylor Rapp is going to be Jordan Poyer. I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not putting that expectation on Taylor Rapp. That being said, Jordan Poyer was not the Jordan Poyer we know now until he got to Buffalo. Same with Micah Hyde, quite frankly. So mm-hmm. it's possible. I, I would even say likely that Taylor Rapp takes a like significant bump in um, his progression as a player 
because this is what Sean McDermott has done since he's been in Carolina. He's taken DBs that have been either below average or average in other places and just been like, yeah, I'm going to put you in a great position to succeed and just be an amazing player. Like, again, I, I go back to when he was in Carolina and he had Kirk Coleman, who was terrible in Philadelphia, and suddenly Kirk Coleman is has, like, multiple interceptions in Carolina and is, like, a legitimately good safety in Carolina. It's just like, huh? Uh, truly, like, voodoo magic, honestly. It was just ridiculous. Um, I, and Taylor Rapp is better than Kirk Coleman. Let's yeah. be clear about that. Um so I, I'm 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 interested to see like how much Taylor Rapp gets integrated into this defense in his first year with the team, um, whether that, that's through more like dime packages, whether that's um, you know maybe there's an injury. I mean, like uh, who just said it here? Oh my gosh, there's there's comments here. There we go. Spin. Uh, both Hyde and Poyer have been injury prone in the last couple of seasons. Yeah. I mean that, that that was part of the decision to to bring in Taylor Rapp is just that you know uh, both of these guys have dealt with injuries. I mean just just last year, so you need some you need like a legitimate insurance to have back there because you don't want another Jaquan Johnson situation against the Jets where it's just like you are so clearly a liability. And they know it, and we know it, and there's mm-hmm. nothing anybody could do about it. <laughs> right? It's just. Um, and I think so. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. If you're able to, um, Micah Hyde, this is his final year of his contract. Yes. And Jordan Poyer's contract is built in such a way where he's realistically probably not here next year. Potentially, let me check. Let me mute my I mic. think I, I want to say that that's correct. And kind of based on like the whole off season last year of him wanting to be somewhere else, I imagine that was kind of how this contract was structured. That would be my guess, just based on context clues. Yes, they have a potential um, out after this season. Okay, so realistically, you could look at this. This is more than likely the last year of Poyer and Hyde, and I think that's fine. Right, because either as a duo or both of them. Right. Because I think you have a legitimate set of replacements, or at least one replacement for sure, in Taylor Rapp, who probably won't cost a lot of money next year because he's probably not going to see a lot of playing time this year. Mm-hmm. And he's mm-hmm. not going to be offered a huge contract by other teams next year. Um, Potentially, probably. Um, and assuming, and this is a big if, I understand that, if Damar Hamlin is healthy and fine and willing and able to do so and comes back and is improved, I don't want to say improved. Let I mean, like I, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But let's say he's improved from last year to this year. I I would take that safety duo of Taylor Rapp and Damar Hamlin. It's mm-hmm. not Poyer and Hyde because that's hard to replicate ever again. But it's workable for what they want this defense to do. And I think that's what I'm really, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just really intrigued of what is Taylor Rapp's role going to be in 2023? Because they clearly want him on this team moving forward beyond right. 2023. But when you have two 
all pro safeties in front of you. You're not taking away playing time from those guys just to see what you have with Taylor Rapp. You're, you have Taylor Rapp figure out how to integrate him into this defense in like right now. Um, because you need to know what you have in him. Steve Noble writes with the addition of Rapp and a question mark at middle linebacker, I expect McDermott to run a lot of dime this year. I agree. Uh, I've, I've spoken about that at length on numerous podcasts this year. I, I think we're all expecting an increase in dime, at least especially comparatively and in general, right? I think they yeah. are going to try to work Taylor Rapp, as you've said, David, already a good safety, right? Like, and you want to get the best players on the field, get Taylor Rapp on the field. But like, I don't know how much we're going to see of that in camp, right? Like, I don't know how early of indications of increased dime personnel usage we're seeing in mm -hmm. training camp. Uh, just for the reasons I laid out earlier regarding Bill's PR. But just like at very worst, at the very least, the Bills have a good depth option should something happen to Hyde or Poyer. You can plug Taylor Rapp there in there. And the defense like obviously isn't going to be as good as if you had a fully healthy Hyde and Poyer because, like you said, David, that's a, that's a duel of the likes of which we will likely not see uh, again, or, you know, at least not for a very long time, but at the very least, right, the defense isn't going to miss many beats should Taylor Rapp have to come in uh, from time to time. And I do think he is a, you know, a long-term succession plan. Okay, we're already an hour and five minutes deep, so I am just going to kind of uh, quickly go over my last player, and it's two players and kind of a whole position group. Don't you love the cover one roundup? Uh, I want to talk about Damian Harris and Latavius Murray. Those are my final two players to talk about here. Last week on our 53-man roster projection, we did get both of them on the roster. We were able to sneak both Latavius Murray and Damian Harris on the roster, but I am intrigued in camp to see do they have a preference? Are they leaning one way or the other just in terms of usage? And I just, I'm intrigued to see how this running back quad, right? Like four-headed monster, if you will, mm. uh, shakes out. Because look, James Cook, all indications are that James Cook is going to be their 1A in what is a committee that features a fair bit of rotation. Naheem Hines restructured his contract and on the surface looks like he is the primary special team returner. So though I do expect him to have an increased role on the offense, especially given that he's now had a full off or half a season, or not quite half a season, but some regular season time plus a full off season with this offense, I do expect his role to increase somewhat offensively, but I still don't think he's going to be a necessarily significant contributor offensively, just given his special teams role. So I think that the running back committee is <laughs> largely going to be, uh, you know, Cook is 1A, some Hines, and then a, a combination of Harris and Murray, though they do kind of both fill the same role. Mm -hmm. And while I do think both will have you know make the team and have roles offensively given you know week to week depending on who they're playing what the game plan matchups all that stuff is i don't know how often all four backs are going to be uh, active but it's going to be interesting to see you know who they prefer between damian harris and latavius murray i guess kind of just logically right you'd look at the two and be like 
Damian Harris probably is who you would want to prioritize, just given that he's a hell of a lot younger than Latavius Murray, right? right? Like maybe potentially could have more of a long-term role in Buffalo than Latavius Murray if, you know, he and Cook proved to be a fun duo or a good duo, right? You could keep Damian Harris around on not a significant contract moving forward, but... It's interesting, just looking at statistics and how often they play, Damian Harris has never played a full season, right? Like he's in his mid-20s, has not played a full season, played in 11 games last year, so he missed a handful of games with various leg injuries. He had thigh and hamstring problems, uh, and he had 462 yards in those 11 games, averaged 4.4 yards per carry. Latavius Murray, while having a lot more miles on the tire, right? Like in his early 30s, right? He's over 30 years old, has played for a lot longer than Damian Harris, uh, had 760 yards, uh, six touchdowns, and also averaged 4.4 yards per carry last season. So like, look, you can say like, yeah, Damian Harris probably makes more sense long-term, but they're both here on essentially the same contract. And Latavius Murray, like, or... In terms of playing right now, they're like comparable players. So I I just, I I think that, like I said, they're both going to play largely the same role. Uh, You know, they're going to get those short yardage, probably goal line situations, and they're not going to be the lead back in this committee. James Mm -hmm. Cook's going to be that just based off of all indications thus far. But uh, I, I am intrigued to see how those snaps divvy out at least early so david thoughts on the running back committee uh or just anything before we get out of here yeah i mean you know i'm i'm really just intrigued if they keep all of these guys right because got a bunch of guys there's a lot of guys it's a lot of guys and you know we we feel like um you know james cook naeem hines they're both um locks for this team because of the roles that they play um and with Harris and Murray's because they fill the same sort of role that it's sort of like well do you keep one or do you keep both and I I tend to lean towards Harris because I'm more interested in the skill set that he brings which is a little bit better than Murray but Murray is just sort of like you know exactly what you're getting with Latavius Murray even in even though he's in his 30s, like what he does is ages really, really well. Mm-hmm. And I think that he would be really great. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to be upset one way or another, but it is interesting who they decide to keep and maybe they keep both. Maybe that's fine. Um, and I would be okay with that, but it's, 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 it's a very intriguing reality that they were that like, they brought in more competition for Damian Harris than they did for Spencer Brown. They did. That's just that's uh, interesting. It's it, it's interesting. Interesting's a way of putting it. Um, yeah, I just it'll, it, it, it's 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 definitely something worth watching because uh, it, it's gonna it's gonna end up being a very tough battle, I think, between those two. And I think it's going to make a uh, make it a very difficult decision for that uh, front office to make. Good stuff. James writes, how do I get a podcast on cover one? S- send like they let any money with a heartbeat talk into a microphone. You're going to have uh, to message uh, Eric about that. Uh, yeah. Message Eric, say that you want to replace me on the podcast. Yeah. Also, 
Uh, here's the thing, though. I'm also the editor, and based off this podcast, I don't think, or based off this comment, I don't think he's replacing me as the editor. Which yeah, I was gonna say maybe that maybe maybe don't use the voice to text next time. <laughs> you know, whatever. Interesting. Um, all right, so I think that wraps up this week's <laughs> podcast. Um, uh, based off that comment, maybe the last one. Uh, <laughs> you can subscribe to the Cover One YouTube channel. Or no, do you want to rank your Tennessee cities while we're still here? No, no, I don't. I'm right. You're wrong. Let's go. We're done. I, I didn't. I didn't say anything. I just said Nashville's a fun city. I didn't rank top. Five. I didn't give my top. Let me be clear. Cities. I did not say that Nashville is not a fun city. I said it's not a top five Tennessee city. How many strong cities does Tennessee have? More than you'd think. What? You got Memphis? Is Memphis top five? Sure. Let's call it top five. Chattanooga? Chattanooga. Knoxville. Oh, I forgot about Knoxville. Knoxville. Um, Where's Middle Tennessee State? Where's that university? That's a great question. Yeah, yeah, it's like wherever it is. I think it's outside. Wherever it is. Um, Thank you guys for watching. Make sure to subscribe to the Cover One YouTube channel. The subscribe button is somewhere down there. Uh, make sure to also subscribe to the podcast feeds. That uh, th- Those are on iTunes. Again, we have uh, specific iTunes feeds for all of the podcasts. This one, Air Raid Hour, uh, Going Deep, Cover One Buffalo, Disguise Coverage, uh, Late Night Buffalo, If the Walls Could Talk, Under Review, Craig Thompson Show. We have a lot of podcasts here, it's a lot uh, of podcasts. which kind of, uh, kind of does add credence to this comment. We have a lot of podcasts. Um, uh, make so sure be it. Uh, and then also check out uh, our sponsors again, Underdog Fantasy and BetUS. Use codes Cover One. Um, also check out Cover One One Pass. That is the Cover One subscription service, if you will. And check out all of these great benefits here that you see on the screen: exclusive members-only content, uh, written and video. Also access to the Cover One Slack. Fifty-seven dollars a year. What a great deal! I think that's everything. David, where can the people find you? You all can find me uh, on the Elon website, which becomes more unusable by the day. Uh, at D-F-A-U-X-Y or at D-Foxy. Folks, you can also find Kyle Salagi on that website at... Kyle Salagi. Uh, again, I kind of plugged threads last week. I said to find me on threads. Uh, but they also... <laughs> The reason why Threads uh, just lodged as quickly as it did was because of the whole Twitter backlash with rate limits. And today, Threads started implementing rate limits, which is, yeah, I love it. I love social media. It's the best. I certainly don't, you know, uh, I'm done. I'm deleting everything. All right. Thank you guys (laughs) for watching. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.